Well, I, I appreciate the privilege of being here. And uh, did y'all hear about the old boy that is driving down this country road and he ran over this cat? Uh, and oh, he felt so bad about it. And he didn't know whose cat it was, but he found this farmhouse. And so he went up to this farmer and he said, uh, Sir, did you have a cat? And he said, Well, yes, I did. He said, Well, I ran over one out here in the road. And he said, So I don't know if it's your cat. And the farmer said, Well, what did it look like? And he said, Ah! <clears throat> Tonight, uh, I want to talk to you about three things, okay? I want to talk to you about while you're in college, there are three things that I think you ought to give special attention to. First is you need to learn how to walk with God. The next thing you need to learn how to do is while you're here, you need to really get some training because you're going to definitely need it once you get out. And the next thing I want to say to you is while you're in school, you need to learn everything you can about making disciples. So let's start with the first one. Now, learning to walk with God. I don't know if you were, uh, probably some of you are just like I was when I got to college. I'd gone to church. I'd made a decision. I'd been baptized. I'd joined. But the very first week I'm in school, uh, I meet a fellow down the hall or shortly thereafter that uh, claims to be an atheist. And one night I was talking to my friend about the things of God, and he said, wait a minute, I need to go get this guy. Well, he was very brilliant, and he turned me every way but loose. And I can remember walking out that night and thinking, I wonder if what I've heard all my life is true. And so I began to have some real doubts about where I stood with the Lord. And that went on for some time, and one night I can remember... Uh, just walking outside my dorm, out on a drill field, and I prayed, God, I don't know if I really became a Christian when I was about nine years of age or not. I thought I did, but I had real doubts. I didn't really grow. No one really helped me at that point. And then later, when I was about 14, I made another decision in church, and I thought, well, now I'm a Christian. And then when I got away to college, I really doubted where I stood with the Lord. So I go out one night and I say, God... If I didn't become a Christian when I was nine, or if I didn't become a Christian when I was 14, I want to become a Christian tonight. Right now, I want to become a Christian. And then I just waited. I thought, you know, something's going to happen. And I mean, as far as I could tell, nothing happened. So I kept waiting, and finally I went back to my room and prayed some more, and I went to bed. And I got up the next morning, and I said, God, if I didn't mean it last night, I mean it this morning. I want to be a Christian. Well, I still didn't feel anything. So that night I prayed again. I said, God, if I didn't mean it this morning and last night, I sure mean it tonight. I want to be a Christian. Well, right after that, I I started reading the Bible. And someone had placed a Gideon Bible in my room, and so I started reading that Bible. And I really began to get serious about my relationship to the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, while you're in college is the best opportunity you'll ever have in your life to really get to know God. And so I started reading the Bible. And on the weekend, most of the guys in our dorm would leave and go to other campuses to date and things. And so uh, I stayed there. And 
I can remember one night, as I often, in, in high school on Saturday night, I'd always go to the movies. And by the way, Kels told me tonight, I want you to tell some stories. So I'll tell you some stories, okay? So one Saturday night, and in high school, I'd always go to the movies on Saturday night. And so one Saturday night, I headed over to the movies. And I, I can remember walking across the campus, and I could see the marquee, and it was a decent movie. Wasn't anything wrong with the movie. But I stood there under a tree for a few minutes, and I thought, you know, I really hadn't had much time in the Word this week. I've been real busy, and you know, I would probably be a lot better off if I just went back to my room and got my Bible and spent this evening with the Lord. And I can remember standing there in the tug to wanting to go be entertained. And by the way, that's one of the things a lot of you are going to face. Because in America, we have basically been raised to be entertained. And if you don't watch out, you'll go through all of your life just being entertained, and you will never be the person God wants you to be. And so I stood on that tree that night, and I prayed for some time, and finally I decided, you know, I've been to a number of movies in my life, and I can probably miss this one, and it'd probably be better if I just went back to the dorm. And so I went back to the dorm and got my Bible and spent that evening with the Lord. And after about two hours... Of that time with the Lord, I thought I wouldn't give anything in the world for the decision that I made tonight to get time with Him. Now, while you're in college, you're going to have to make some decisions, and it's going to involve some discipline. Now, there's been a great deal of talk in our day about the grace of God. And we'll even sing songs about how God's grace is all-sufficient. But I want to tell you something. Grace alone is not enough. Look at Christians all across America who have received the grace of God, but because there's no discipline in their life, and they've not learned to live like Jesus, and therefore they can't act like Jesus. And in a book I'd highly recommend that you read called... Uh, it's by Dallas Willard, and it's called uh, Spirit of the Disciplines. Yeah. Spirit of the Disciplines. Yeah. But Dallas Willard, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He's written several, but that's especially good. And in this book, he says, We've all seen the guy in the little leagues who holds his bat just like the major leaguer, and he buys the same kind of shoes, and he wants the same kind of glove, and he may even get a bat that's, that has that guy's autograph on it. But then he wants to hit a home run just like the big leaguer, but it doesn't happen. Why doesn't it happen? Because he does not live like the big leaguer. He does not see the hours of weightlifting, the intensive training that goes on that enables that man to, in a game, act like a big leaguer. And a lot of people, you know, the bracelets have gone around, and you've seen that. What would Jesus do? The book by Mr. Shelton called Any Steps, in which people talked about trying to act like Jesus. Let me tell you, you will not act like Jesus in the crisis unless you live like Jesus every day. And you can live like Jesus when you look at the things He did. He spent time with His Father. You can do that. He spent time in solitude. You can do that. He spent time ministering to other people. You can do that. He did not basically live for himself. 
you can do that. Now, you'll not perform the miracles that he performed, but you can live like he lived. And that's what we have to concentrate on, is being like Jesus. Now, that means that you're going to have to pay a price for that to happen. I remember my freshman year in college, there was a a missions conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And so a group of us from Texas A&M decided we want to go. Well, it started, I had to leave my home the day after Christmas in order to get to that conference. And the only way I could go, because I didn't have a car and I was 500 miles from home, after that conference, I had to come back to school a week before school started. And my dorm master and me, I think, were the only ones in the dorm. But, you know, I look back on that conference, and that was a turning point in my life. There was a price to pay. Yeah, I would, enjoy, I would have enjoyed two weeks at home instead of just getting home, having a few days, and then being gone to the conference and spending a week alone by myself back in the dorm. But, you know, during that time, God did a work in my life. And I want to challenge you to spend time with Him. I remember talking to a young man a few years ago right here at OU. And I was encouraging him to go on the spring break trip. Now, you'll hear more about that later. But this spring, you'll have an opportunity to go to Glorietta, New Mexico with a group of students. And I began to talk to him about going to that conference. And he said, oh, no, I'm going to go home that week. And I said, where do you live? He lived within 75 miles of here. I knew a fellow from Montana that was involved with the Baptist Student Union. And he got to go home Christmas was the only time he got to go home during the year. And he decided to go on the spring break trip. Now, you know, if if you were to look up those two fellows today and see which one's really walking with God, if you had to make a guess, which one do you think it would be? It's a one who had decided that he would pay a price to walk with God. Now, let me tell you, you're not going to learn to walk with God unless you go through some lonely times. And there are going to be times when other people are doing other things that maybe you just need to stay in your room and get your Bible and lock the door and spend some time with Him. And I remember one night while I was in college and a lot of the students were leaving. The friends that I knew, they were leaving and they were going out of town and they were going different places. And I decided that Friday night, I said, God, a lot of the other guys, they've got dates and they're going other places. I'm going to make a date with you. And so Friday night from 7 to 9, I'm going to spend that time with you. Now let me tell you, during those times, and I did that on a number of occasions, in which God began to do something in my life. Today, I don't have to be entertained. You know, if you'll just leave me alone in a room somewhere with a Bible, I'm at perfect peace. I don't have to be listening to music all the time. And I just want to challenge you to learn to spend time with the Lord. I try to have a habit of my life every single day I live. Never to let a day go by that I don't spend time in His Word, in the, in the Word of God, reading it and praying over it. Now, don't get too busy to do that. I keep a saying in the front of one of my Bibles, Our Master never asks of us such heavy labor and shall leave us no leisure for sitting at His feet. And so every day you live, spend some time reading the Bible and praying. 
Now, is that legalism? Like, for example, I don't go to bed till I do it. If I didn't get to do it first thing in the morning, I try to think, when is the first time during the day I can determine what I want to do? And so, if I don't get to do it first thing in the morning, the first time during the day that I can determine what I want to do, I try to do it then. If something unusual happens, and I have to be up early in a very busy day, and it comes in at night, and I hadn't time, had time in the, in the Word, I just do it. Well, maybe it's one o'clock in the morning, and you can justify that. Say, oh, well, I'm too tired. I wouldn't get anything out of it. And you know, I've had times like that when I'd open the Bible and begin to spend time with the Lord and just come awake, and maybe I was going to spend a few minutes, and maybe it's 45 minutes or so, and I wouldn't take anything in the world for that time. Now, it's not that if I don't spend time in the Word that God's going to zap me. It's not... It's, and some people, anytime you talk about discipline, somebody thinks of legalism. Oh, you're legalistic. You don't go to bed till you read the Bible. No, it's not legalism. There's a world of difference between legalism and discipline. Legalism is trying to earn favor with God. I don't have to earn favor with God, thank you. I already have it. See? You don't have to earn favor with God either. Do you know God's not mad at you? He really does love you. And because of Jesus Christ, and if you know Him, you have tremendous favor with God. And so, legalism is trying to earn your your way with God. Discipline is just taking the body God's given you, and you live out your spiritual life in your body. It's not that your spiritual life's up here, and your body's down here. God, you will live out your Christian life in your body, and your body must be disciplined. And so, you discipline yourselves to do those things that are really important. Now, some of you might think, well, you know, reading the Bible sometimes is not all that interesting. Well, I understand that. And there'll be times that it won't be. And I've been in Leviticus and some of these so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and I understand that. But I also find that as I read the Scriptures, and if you will begin to read the Bible, and not just read your Bible and then close it and pray, but read the Bible and pray over the Scriptures. For example, not long ago I'm reading, and one day... David and Saul and the men of Israel are coming back from a battle, and the women come out and they're singing. Saul has killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. Well, what was Saul's reaction to that? Anybody know? He didn't like it, right? fact is, he was very upset. He decided he'd try to kill David because he didn't like that. Now, why is that story in the Bible. Just so you'll know a little of the history of Israel? No. Romans 15.4 and 1 Corinthians 10.11 both tell us these things happened to them for examples and they're written down for our learning. So that's written down so I can learn something from it. So I think about that. And so I begin to pray. And I think, God, I know there will be young men that will come along after me, that will do a better job than I've done. Just like David did a better job than Saul. But God, 
I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to be bitter at those guys. I don't want to oppose them. I want to be a blessing to them. I want to help them. And if you will begin to read the Bible, and as you read these stories, you meditate on it. You think about it. You pray over the Scriptures. You pray for yourself. You pray for others. Now, the Bible also says, and we know from the life of Jesus, in Mark one thirty-five, He got up a great while before day, went out to a solitary place, and there prayed. We know from Luke 6.12 that one time, he, the night before He chose the twelve, He went out and prayed all night. We know from Matthew 14.23 that he, went, he sent the disciples away. He went up into a mountain to pray. And Matthew 14.23 says he, he went up into the mountain and prayed. And then two verses later in Matthew 14.25, it said he came walking on the sea in the third watch of the night. That's between 3 and 6 a.m. And then we know from Luke 5.16 that Jesus, as a habitual habit of his life, would withdraw to lonely places to pray. So sometimes Jesus got up early to pray. Sometimes he stayed up late to pray. Sometimes during the day he would withdraw to pray. And by the way, someday if you're walking back to your dorm from class and you just have the thought to pass your mind, I think I'll go to my room and spend a little bit of time reading the Bible and praying. Don't say, well, I never read the Bible at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, even if you read it that morning. See, when you have time with the Lord once a day, doesn't mean you're through with God until that time the next morning. It's, it's legitimate. It's okay to read it more than once a day. And if you've never sat down at one time in your life and just read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians at one setting, you have missed a blessing. Now, let me tell you, you're not going to get to know God unless you spend time with Him. And you will go through some lonely times. You read of the life of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the great prophets and the men that God's used, and they knew what it was like to have lonely times. But it's in those times that you get to know your God. And that's so important for you right now. Because the next few years, you're going to make major decisions. You've already made the decision to come to college. Some of you are to the university. Some of you have made the decision what you're going to major in. For a lot of you, that's still up for grabs. And by the way, while you're here, you're preparing for life. You're preparing for a career. But let me tell you, that's not the most important thing for you to prepare for while you're in the university. Now, that's not what Mother told you when you left home, right? It's important for you to prepare for a career. But I hope when you get out of here and in the future, you're primarily not going to be known by your career. Now, let me illustrate that. Have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Now, what was he? He was a tent maker. Okay? Have you ever heard of Peter? What was Peter? Fisherman. You ever hear of Barnabas? What was Barnabas? Maybe he's in real estate. I don't know. Maybe he had a farm. All I know is he had some land and sold it. That's all I know. Okay? Now, when you think of Paul today, you don't think of tents, do you? When you think of Peter, you don't think of fish. Or you think of Barnabas, you don't think of land. You know why? Because those men live for a higher purpose.
And when you get out of here, wherever you go the rest of your life, I hope you're good at your career, and you need to be. Because that will give you opportunities for ministry. And wherever you work, you're an insider. Every, wherever you are, you're an insider. There's a book, I think, back here by Jim Peterson, well worth reading, called The Insider. And wherever you work, you're an insider. That It's much easier for you to reach people in that place because you're an insider than for somebody to come in from outside. That's why I would challenge you, if at all possible, if at all possible, live in the dorms, don't live in apartment houses. Why? Because you will double your ministry by living in the dorm because you're an insider. You can lead a Bible study, and you can be on any campus, even if the administration of the university happen to be very, very anti-Christian. They cannot keep you from leading a Bible study in your room. And so I would say, strategically plan your life. And I've seen some students that just move out in the dorm because, well, it's more comfortable. Well, is that your objective in life, to be comfortable? Now, I'm aware that some cannot live in the dorms. There may be reasons, health-wise, or, or different reasons why you can't. But you want to take your career and learn to do that now, to intentionally live out your faith, getting to know God and really walking with Him. Another thing I want to challenge you to do while you're in college, memorize Scripture. Memorize verses. Okay? Now, I want to... Somebody here up front got a a second hand on your watch. You have one? Okay? What I want you to do is I want you to watch that second hand. Okay? Now, I want you to tell me when to start, and I'm going to tell you when to stop, and we're going to see how many seconds it takes. All right? So, I'm ready anytime. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16, stop. 11 seconds. Now, I quoted John 3.16, the reference before, the reference after. I said the verse, and I didn't say it in tongues. I didn't say, for God, you know, I just said it in a normal tone of voice. I'm through in 11 seconds. Now, when people first begin to memorize verses, John 3.16 is longer than most people, verses people memorize, like Jesus well. <laughs> you know, pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. You know, those kinds of verses. Now, it took 11 seconds. I'm down in New Zealand, and this missionary reaches in his pocket, and he hands me his verse pack. And by the way, get you a verse pack, and don't ever be without it. I try not to ever be clothed and in my right mind (laughs) that I don't have my verse pack with me. And the reason for that, I can use time that you waste. My junior year in college, I memorized a verse every single day and reviewed 74 with an average taking 19 hours or 20 hours a semester. I had 21 hours one, or one semester, 19 the next, was BSU president, very busy, had a lab four afternoons a week, and I can memorize a verse a day and review 74 in time that I promise you, you waste every day. 
I'd write up a verse before I'd go to class. Doesn't take the full mature mind of a college student, put one foot in front of the other one. And by having them on small cards, I could stand in line at the cafeteria or wherever, and I could work on verses. I get the, the class a minute early, I could work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it. So this, I'm down in New Zealand. This missionary hands me his verse. He said, there are 50 verses in this pack. I'll quote them all to you. I'll be through in 10 minutes. And I'll give you a devotional on two of them. I'll still be through in 10 minutes. You can time me if you want to, and I wanted to. Nine minutes and 53 seconds later, he had quoted me 50 verses. Now, let me give you a suggestion. If you want to get to know God, the two things I've been talking to you about, spending time along with Him in the Word, and beginning to memorize verses, so that at any time the Holy Spirit can bring them to your mind, to use in your life, or to use with anyone else. Now, if you would begin to do that. Now, when you memorize a verse, let me, let me share with you how you do it. Over to BSU, or you can get them here. They can, somebody can bring you some cards next week. Right, Dick? That's right. There are already some here. Okay, you can have some verse cards here next week. So come back next week, get your cards, all right? And here's what you do. You write that verse on a card, and once you can quote it word perfectly, say it another 35 times. You see, it took me a whole 11 seconds to say the verse. The reason most of you have ever started memorizing verses quit is because you never really get them in the first place. See, I could give you a verse and as sharp as some of you are in two or three minutes, you could quote the verse, but you don't know the verse. But if you would go over it about 35 times after you can quote it word perfectly... And if you don't learn them word perfectly, wait till you get a hundred verses and you don't know what God said and you don't know what you said. Okay? So the only way to do it and the only way to review is get them word perfectly. So you memorize it, you go over it about 35 times, then try to go over it every day for about two months. And then you'll have it. And you'll be amazed at the way God will use those verses in your life. When I was in seminary one day, my evangelism professor said, Max, would you drive with me on Saturday? And we're going to drive over to Edge, Arkansas, Louisiana, somewhere over there at this church. And I'm going to preach on Sunday morning, and I have to fly to the Southern Baptist Convention. You speak that night, and then you, you drive my car back. We didn't have class on Monday, and you drive my car back to seminary on Monday. And I thought, man, I'd love to do that because I wanted to get time with him. So I said, I'd love to do that. So then I go back to class next week, and I see one of my buddies. He said, Max, we're sure looking forward to you speaking in Wichita Falls, Texas on Saturday night at that youth rally. And I said, no, that's Friday night. He said, no, it's Saturday night. I said, no, I had that down Friday night because i got to be on the other side of the country on Saturday. And he said, Max, I'm on the committee that invited you. I know it's Saturday. And I thought, oh. And he said, now, which one of these did you take first? You know, you always love your friends that are honest with you. Which one of these did you take first? And I said, Wichita Falls. He said, then I think that's where you ought to be. And I said, I'll be there. So now I've got to go see my professor. And I think, he's not going to like this. How's he going to get his car back from Louisiana? And so I go to him. And meantime, I'm on my way. And a verse I memorized in college popped into my mind. Psalms 50.15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And boy, that verse, 
I don't know how long it had been since I told that verse. And all of a sudden, it just the Holy Spirit brought my call upon me in day of trouble. And I said, God, today is a day of trouble. <laughs> and you said, call on you, so I'm calling on you. So I go to my professor and I said, hey, I, I hate to tell you this, but I can't go with you to Louisiana. And he said, uh, he just started laughing and he laughed and laughed. He said, why? And I told him and he just laughed. He said, you know, Max, I am worn out. I am so tired. I don't need to drive to Louisiana. The pastor called this week and said, what are you doing driving? We will fly you here and pay for it. Don't you drive over here. He said, I've been trying to think all week how I can tell you, I don't want you to go with me. <laughs> now, I tell you, I promise you, if you will begin to memorize verses and get them in your mind, you're going to be amazed at how God will use these. A number of years ago, somebody called and said, Max, will you go to Romania? Ceausescu is in control in, in Romania. And said, the reason I'm calling you is you will not likely be able to get in with a Bible. And so we go. I said, I'd be glad to go. And they said, if you will go, you'll go to this church. And the pastor said, it will hold 700. But if you'll come, we'll get 2,000 in here. And so we went. You know the questions they ask us at the border? Four questions. You have any guns? You have any drugs? You have any pornography? You have any Bibles? I thought that's kind of strange combination. <laughs> and so we go to that church and we speak. And we speak on Sunday night. And when we're speaking, this guy's shoulder's touching the wall. And it's touching the next guy. And this guy's shoulder's touching the wall. I look up in the balcony and there, and there are people on every step into that balcony. One guy, all I can see is his feet, but he got in the building. And they open the door and people are standing up on their tiptoes and they're standing back there and we speak, and then the pastor turns to me and said, Max, would you and Sandra speak tomorrow night to the young people on dating? They never get to hear anything like that. I said, we'd love to. So he, he announces it. The next night, it is packed with young people. And then he says, would you meet with some of us pastors in the morning? And so we did that. And then at night, a guy says, well, these guys I'm trying to disciple. And so they get off at five. Could you speak from them to, from five to nine? And I said, I'd love to. I tell you what, if you could take ten million dollars and put it right there on the floor and say, Max, you can have every penny of it if we could just blot out of the, out of your mind just the verses you memorized while you were in college. I promise you, I would not touch it. Now, right now, you have keen minds. You turn them on to chemistry. You walk out of there. You walk to another class. You turn them on. If you would learn during the day to turn your mind to God, memorize Scripture. If you only memorize one a week, only one a week, you'd know 52 at the end of the year. In 10 years, you'd have 520 and you still wouldn't be old. I want to challenge you to do that. Find a buddy and the two of you work on Now let me share this with you. If you start memorizing verses, you're going to run into some problems with it. Do you know ever since the fall of man, nothing's perfect? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed your professors aren't perfect? Classes aren't perfect? Roommates, sure not perfect. You get married, you're going to find out your wife's not perfect. But you know what? 
she's going to find out you aren't either. So you'll run into some problems with it, but keep fighting it. It's worth it. Now the other thing. Learn during the day to turn your mind to God. You're working, walking across the campus, you see one of your buddies, pray for him. You can learn to fellowship with a God all during the day. There was an old monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. In the 1600s, it worked in a monastery. And he washed pots and pans. And then during the day, they'd take an hour break and go to the chapel to pray. The day came in which he said, I'd just soon be in the kitchen watching, washing pots and pans as taking off to go to the chapel to pray because he said, I've learned to pray and fellowship with God all day long. And he said at first, I would think, I'm going, while I'm washing pots, I'm going to think about God and I'm going to talk to God. He said, in a few minutes, my mind was somewhere else. He said, I used to hate myself for that. But then he said, I just got to the point where I'd come to God and say, God, if you don't help me, I'll never be any different. And then I start over again. And I've learned to fellowship with God. You can do that. And while you're in college, is one of the best times you'll ever have in your life to develop your walk with God. Now, let me just mention one caution. You are the visual generation. You like to see things. You like your music. You not only like to hear it, you want it to, you want to feel it. You want it vibrate. Okay? Now, and that's okay, but I want to tell you there's some things that they're never, ever going to get on a video. There are going to be certain things you learn and you won't live long enough to get some of those things on a CD. And one of the things you need to be doing while you're in college is doing some reading of books that are not assigned to you. And especially read some Christian biographies. While I was in college, I read the lives of dozens of men. George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, Go Forth of China, C.T. Studd. You know, those men and what I learned from them are still a blessing to me today. And I remember a girl calling one time and she said, Max, you got a Bible study on a certain night. She was from a different school. And I said, well, no, we don't. And she said, well, I just found out since the college I don't do anything. Now there's not a study for me to go to. I said, can I ask you a question? When you were in college, did you ever read a book that you didn't have to read? She said, no, I never read anything. It wasn't assigned. And now she's out of school, so she's not a reader. Now, let me tell you, a person who cannot read and a person who will not read come out at the same place. Ignorant. And so read. Grow. Do everything you can. You can go to on your computer to www.discipleshiplibrary.com. And the last count I had out of the BSU library here and from the navigators are over 7,000 messages that are up there that you can listen to on your computer. And so sometime when you're in your room and you got your computer, if you want, I know at one time, I just looked at the messages we had in the BSU tape library on marriage. We had over 125 you want to learn something about any topic you want to, there's good information available. Now, quickly, let me just mention another thing or two, and I've already touched on this somewhat. Get some training. 
Now, Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your eyes and the sight of your, of your heart. But know this, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So God says, enjoy your youth, but realize someday you will stand before the Lord. Now, <clears throat> some of you have heard this, but if I could take a piece of chalk and just start marking around this room, up here on the wall, and let's say we come over here and there's a window open, and I go out that window and I go all the way around the world, that piece of chalk, and I come back in that window and I go over here and I pick up right where I left off. And then I let you take a little piece of that chalk and you go over and make one dot on that line. And that's what your life is like compared to eternity. I mean, it's very, very brief. I cannot believe that if I live to the end of next month, I'll be 70 years of age. And I remember when I was 18 and a college student. And I began to think then about, God, if I live a normal life for every one day I've lived, I've got about three to go. Maybe four. And you think about that where you are today. If you live a normal life, you may have three, maybe four days for every day that you've already lived. So whatever you're going to do, you better get after it. And right now, while you're in college, is the greatest time to learn to walk with God and to get the training that you need. Get some training in your Christian life. That's why I would suggest to you that you put Thursday night on your schedule and you always be here. You don't have to know who's speaking. I don't think you will ever come to one of these meetings that it will not be worth your time. And when I was in college, I just made a decision. When it comes time to be the Baptist Student Union, I will be there. I may have three exams the next day, but the, I didn't get them all announced 30 minutes before the BSU meeting. I knew that for some time. And I decided I'd be in church on Sunday. So I never missed. And as a result of that, and there were conferences that I went to. And there were things that I, I realized that if I was going to be what God wanted me to be, I had to pay a price. I would challenge you to be on the ministry team when you have an opportunity. There are people around here that will give their lives to trying to train you and help you walk with God. And right now is a time to get that training. I just got back from Washington and Oregon. A student graduated here 23 years ago. And he's been at the, a professor at Washington State. So he asked me to come up and do a discipleship conference in his church. I go in there. A fellow comes up to me by the name of John. And he said, I just want you to, I want to tell you this. Because of Bernie Van Wee, the, my whole life has been changed. And we met person after person after person who God has tremendously challenged their lives. And I just had a letter today from the pastor and talking about what they're going to try to do in discipleship. And they've seen the example in Bernie's life. Because when he was a college student here, he became a Christian. He got serious about his relationship with God. He got some training. And for the last 23 years as a professor, he's been walking with God and having a ministry. So get some training while you have opportunity. Now I want to come to the last point. While you're in college, 
You want to give yourself to making disciples. Because that's what Jesus told you to do. In Matthew 28:16, when Jesus gave what we know as the Great Commission, you know how many people were there when he gave it? Verse 16 of chapter 28 says there were 11 men. Judas had already hung himself. Jesus had risen from the dead and he meets with these 11 men. He had sent word to them, meet me in Galilee. He goes there and he meets them. And there are 11 men that met him on the mountain that day. You know what Jesus told those 11 men? He said, go, or literally as you're going into all the world, make disciples. And then you baptize them and you teach them. Teach them what? Teach them all that I've commanded you. Now let's look at one of those commandments. He said, teach them all I've commanded you. And what had he just finished commanding them? Make disciples. Now, when he said go into all the nations, you know, at one time, we thought of the world as a pancake. You know, you pour syrup on it and it spreads everywhere. But the world's not like a pancake. It's like a waffle. And, you know, you pour syrup on a waffle, and in order for it to get in every one of those little pits, it's got to crawl over this barrier, right? Now, Jesus, when Jesus said, go into all the nations, we used to look at Africa as a nation. Africa is not a nation. Africa is many nations. Every cultural group, that's what the word nation meant. Go, 11 men, you're to go to every tongue, every language, every cultural group in the world. Now, I want to ask you a question. How in the world are 11 men going to go to every little pit in the world, every cultural group. There's only one way. They've got to have help. They have got to multiply. And not only that, but when a person becomes a Christian, he said, teach him everything I've commanded you. He just finished commanding him to make disciples. So when you become a Christian... The command comes down to you to make disciples. Now, let me tell you, that command comes down as much to you today to make disciples as if you'd have been on the hill that day when, with those other 11 men. That's as much your responsibility. Every Christian is to make disciples. So when a person becomes a Christian, we need to take him, teach him to make disciples. Immediately. And we don't want to wait for weeks. We want immediately, when he becomes a Christian, to begin immediately say, hey, don't break off your relationship with your non-Christian friends. You need some new friends, but we want to move through you. And every time a person becomes a Christian, if we do what we ought to do, it opens a whole new world for evangelism. Because he has a mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, uncles, aunts, friends. And if we help him, we can begin to move through him to reach others. Now, while you're in college, remember this. Work on your walk with God. Learn to walk with God. You will go through some lonely times, but you can do that. God wants that of you. He wants your fellowship more than anything else. So learn to walk with God. Get the training you can get. And even now, 
while you're a student. You'll never, probably ever, have a greater opportunity in your life to make disciples. Because right here, God has put so many young men and women. You know their language. You know their culture. You live among them. So now, seek to help people come to know Christ and help them grow to become those who can reach others. We have a great task to do. It'll not be long, even though you're young. It'll not be long before you'll stand before the Lord. Our life is just like that dot on that line compared to eternity. So you're here for a brief time. Be faithful to do the things God wants you to do. Now let's pray together. Now let me say this. If any of you are here tonight and you've never got it, gotten it settled in your life, if you died right now, you don't have absolute assurance you'd go spend eternity with the Lord. I would encourage you to get that settled tonight. And if you need some help, I've got a little booklet that I think could help you. And if you would like to have one of those, if you'll come up later, I'd be delighted to see that you get one. Or talk to a friend that you know. I would challenge you, don't go to bed tonight knowing that if you never woke up, that you wouldn't be with the Lord. Now, Father, thank you for our time together. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the tremendous potential in this room. And Father, help us to all walk with you. Help us day after day to spend time with you, praying, loving our friends, reaching out to people about them, about us, helping to bring them to meetings and encouraging them and getting them in dorm Bible studies, doing everything we can to help people come to know you. And Father, someday we'll spend all eternity with you. And it'll be a tremendous time, but we won't take everyone we possibly can with us. And so I pray that you'd help each of us and that we would band together, these people here as a little group of people, to help each other, to walk with you, to get the training they need, and then to make disciples on this campus. Because we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen.